0: Welcome back. This is C3. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Jordan. Grab a cocktail and have a seat while we talk about some crime and our crippling depression. So, Jordan, what's giving you crippling depression today?
1: Um, the fact that I'm not already on vacation. I'm ready to go away and hide from my problems and live, love, love on the beach.
0: My vacation's in December, so it's like I have a long R. R. Fucking R. time to wait.
1: With <laughs> yes. love. You'll make it eventually, I guess. Huh? Well, I'm rooting for you. I guess the deal,
0: really the only thing that I have is that i requested today off from mcdonald's just for walmart two days ago to ask me to come in for overtime today
1: Uh.
0: (sighs) so i did because i was like money and now i need to request another day off
1: actually you know what? i do have depression um my mom's seeing a stevie next concert without me but like i love her and she deserves it so it's fine oh um
0: actually text that woman right now and tell her to record seven wonders if they perform it i fucking love that song
1: I'm typing very slowly. She ironically just texted me that they got there. (laughs) So she knew we were talking about her. She felt it in the air. She did. I'm going to put my phone on silent too. So I'll let you know eventually what she says. But yeah, I'm very happy for her. She fucking loves Stevie Nicks. So it's going to be a good time for her. I'm very jealous though, but it's fine. She knows what I want recorded. So it's okay.
0: This is her era's tour.
1: Yeah. This is my mom's like. Shit. Like she bought makeup. She looked cute as hell. Dan Quillen's Dan Quillen Dan
0: Quillen killing it as usual. Yes. Uh, we're coming back at you with another themed episode. Mm-hmm. And this one is going to be door to door salesman crimes. <laughs> and I'm going to hand it over to Jordan.
1: I once again successfully did not understand the assignment, but I understood the assignment in the end. Um, but I will say we are drinking hoppy tea as our drink. Hoop tea. Hoppy drink happy drink tea I don't know yeah. fuck this tea a little it's this shit's a little strong it's
0: spiked tea it's hoop tea uh, I think she's saying happy because I gave her chocolate covered coffee beans that were oh called yeah happy they were Bites. happy something
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have all the things mixed together they were not delicious 10 yeah, so out of 10 would I recommend
0: peach flavored and I have mango flavored and it's actually better than twisted tea I don't fucking like twisted tea
1: twisted tea is only good to beat a racist in a gas station with it's not actually good to drink period so. I mean honestly but anyway i'm gonna cite my sources at the beginning because i'm so bad about remembering to cite my sources so i did use three articles um one was from the new york times one was the spokesman review and one was straight up from the city of Spokane, and that was directly from them like their own journalists so those were the three articles i used for this information um there's a lot but there also wasn't because it's a cold case that recently got solved so i will begin In March of 1959, um, the Washington Sponoke community was forever changed by the disappearance of nine-year-old Candace Rogers, also known as Candy. During the 16-day search that occurred, uh, the community rallied with support and involvement and optimism and helped turn to sadness and fear when her body was discovered in a wooded area in the northwest part of the county. Um, she had been raped and strangled to death with a piece of her own clothing no. and the following investigation would haunt her family investigators and the community for decades. Like they, they truly never gave up. Um, so it's a, it's a very n- good story to listen to. Um, on March 6th, Candy was out selling campfire mints, um, in her neighborhood and family became concerned when she didn't return home because it became dark, you know, older days, you came home and it was dark. Obviously, there was no way to, like, text or call. Yeah, I
0: got some beef with the parents during my time. Like, for the the case for my... The time frame for my case. And Period. I don't know we if, if I struggles. also have beef with <laughs> the parents from yours or not.
1: Um, I don't think so. I okay. mean, it, it truly was 1956. Like, shit was different. Like, you weren't up your child's ass, though. Like, nowadays, wasn't like that, you know? This is just when crime was really getting reported like this. So, it wasn't everywhere, like... Stranger danger wasn't hardcore. Um, Their fear intensified as she remained missing and soon every available police officer as well as citizens and organizations around the town decided to join in a search. At the time, there was no cell phones, GPS, security cameras. So investigators had like nothing to fucking go on other than she was selling mints in the neighborhood and never came home. So they knew, check that area, and keep expanding out, basically. Cover everything they could. Boxes of campfire mints that were believed to be the ones that Candy was selling were soon found strewn along Pet Drive, I believe is how it's pronounced. It's P-E-T-T-E-T. Um, and it was seemingly heading north.
0: P-E-T-T-E-T. E-T?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go with like Pete.
0: Pet- would that be Petite? petite? Yeah, it probably be Petite. petite? But that's anyway, not even how you spell that. Is it?
1: Anywho, I don't know how to spell Petite. No, it has an I in it. Petit has an eye. Yeah, it
0: does. Because
1: it always bothers me the way there is placed, but I don't know but how maybe to spell it. But
0: maybe it is Petit. Anywho,
1: it, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we're going to keep moving. <laughs> um, but they were heading north, like, out of the neighborhood. So someone... The mints were. Yes. Okay. So she was obviously in the neighborhood, but it was northern away from where she lived. So the mints were the only thing that they had to go on, and it was still a very inconclusive clue. So in the hours and days... After Candy's disappearance, the community united um, in search for her. At one time, a command post was established at now what is the intersection of Petite Drive and the TJ Menash Bridge, which call back to Patreon bonus episode stuff for Menash Tash Bridge <laughs> for Mel's Hole.
0: Okay, I was like...
1: It's the same word, so... I was going
0: to say, I remembered... Uh,
1: roll it back. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but approximately 1,200 searchers gathered and searched in the nearby area. So they, the community was, like, really fucking shook up by this and really dedicated to finding her. Um, multiple forces, including the local Air Force, assisted in the search. The Air Force provided a birds eye view of the search area. And tragically, a day after Candy's disappearance, a U.S. Air Force helicopter involved in the search struck power lines and crashed into the Sponok River. Airman um, Marlies Ray, Sergeant William A. McDonnell, and Lieutenant Kenneth G., were killed in the crash and two crew members survived. Oh, no. So, unfortunately, while looking for this girl, they ended up dying. So, any new search ever still continued, so still dedicated even with this other tragedy. On March 21st, 1959, two airmen from Fairchild were out hunting in a wooded area about seven miles from Candy's house and they discovered a pair of girl's shoes in the woods. On their return to the base, they continued to talk about what they found and wondered if it could be related to Candy, so they decided to report it because they were like, what if let's go ahead and report the next morning a search party was sent to the area and only a few minutes and they were able to find the shoes and they unfortunately found candy buried under a shower layer of brush and pine needles so she was really close to the shoes so how yeah. like how they have just kept looking for a little bit they probably would have found her that night so she was very close by um and in the days weeks and months that unfortunately followed um investigators poured over thousands of tips and leads and none led to a good suspect and of course then they didn't have the sex offender registry so they were just looking at people with similar crimes and trying to see where they were and what they were doing but they couldn't get enough evidence to make an arrest or even have a good suspect and then obviously this turned into years and they were frustrated but determined um, and they continued to work on Candy's case eventually obviously it became a cold case and it just kept getting handed down to the next generation of investigators but they never gave up Yeah, like they continued to keep trying the
0: cases that happen around this time it sucks sometimes because they did didn't have access to the yeah, technology that we do now because exactly. a lot of these cases could have been solved like that because people weren't killers and stuff weren't as careful back then because they, didn't, they have didn't have all to, that be. DNA profiling and all kinds of shit, Yeah,
1: which thankfully um, as I'm going to talk about the investigators did really fucking good. Keeping up with trace evidence, like really good for the time too, like not knowing how well DNA would progress. But obviously in 1959 um, technology and forensic testing abilities were no fucking match for today. You could take a little piece of spit and find out who the fuck I am and where my mom was born and all this other shit, you know? But it was recognized, obviously, as a scientific concept, and it would actually not be used to solve a crime case until 1987, which at some point I will cover that case because it is horrible. Um, Because it is horrible? (laughs) It's really bad, but it's awesome because it's the first time that this is actually used as evidence and proven in court to be evidence. okay. So it's like one of those cases where, like, even though it's horrible, it's great because this is why we use it the way we use it now. Mm hmm Um, And then without knowing the future of trace evidence, they preserved that DNA so well from when they gathered the semen sample and all this other things off of her body that it was used 62 years later. Oh, that's fantastic. So in 2021, they were able to use this evidence. Like, that's how diligent they were when taking this stuff. Because so often in
0: these cases, especially ones from that time, they also just didn't fucking care half the time or preserve shit the way they were supposed to. So we run into had they just preserved this one thing properly we would have cracked the case
1: yeah, and unfortunately sometimes too samples do degrade over time but that's really how dedicated they were to finding out what happened in 9 year old candy that they mm. really took the time to make sure it was preserved for later use obviously like I said in 2021 they were working with the WSP crime lab um, and learned of a DNA testing method offered by a laboratory in Texas the sample of semen that was collected from candy's clothing was provided to the lab And the specimen was put into a genealogy database and it narrowed it down to three brothers. And one of the possible matches was fucking John Hoff. And Hoff was the only one of the three brothers who had kids. Detectives had a lead of to want to identify him correctly. Investigators contacted the daughter of John Hoff and upon learning why the fuck they reached out to her she immediately like took off work and went to meet with them because she was like what the fuck. Um, she submitted DNA samples um, which were compared and the results show that it was a 2.9 million times more likely that Hoff's daughter's DNA was related to the sample than anyone else in the general public. So uh, very aggressively it's his DNA and they now had enough evidence of Hoff being the culprit but they were faced with the dilemma of him being fucking dead. Oh, I was just going to say, so, this motherfucker's still alive. And gets, no. So there would be no trial. So they really wanted to fucking hammer the point home of this motherfucker's guilty. Because mm-hmm. there was no court trial, nothing. So they wanted to really, like, slam this dead man's name with this shit and be secure about it. Yeah. So once again, they took all the information. And with him being indicated as a killer, um, the SPD investigators requested and were granted a warrant allowing them to exhume his body and collect DNA. Um, and the results showed that there was a match between John Hoff and the specimen from Candy with a possibility threshold indicating of 25 quintillion, so 16 zeros behind 25, times more likely that the sample came from Hoff than any unrelated person in the general public. So it was fucking him.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So the DNA sample collected from Candy's clothing was that of Hoff. And John Hoff was 20 years old at the time of the murder, and he grew up in Spon and lived about a mile from Candy at the time. Um, he had joined the army at 17 and was stationed at a missile site surrounding Fairchild AFB. And in 1961, two years after Candy was murdered, Hoff was convicted of, a se- of assault, um, second degree, with an intent to rob. In that incident, Hoff assaulted a female, forcibly removed the victim's clothes, and tied her up using her own garments and strangled her before fleeing the scene. Thankfully, that victim did survive, hence the trial, and Hoff spent six months in jail for the attack. I couldn't really find what his actual like, conviction time was, but he only sadly spent six months. But at the time, that could have been all he got anyway. And based on his conviction, Hoff was declared a deserter from the army and was discharged. And he was employed as a door-to-door salesman and worked at a Yumber Lord at the time of his expulsion from the military in 1970. And at age 31, he killed himself.
0: So had they looked into see if he's connected to any more cases? Because that type of behavior... No, it escalates. seems...
1: He killed himself shortly after... This... Because mm-hmm. so he was 21, then he then he was, you know, 20, 22 or 23. Obviously, he, like, got married, whatever, had kids, and then he killed himself. So, and he has a very specific MO. Obviously, if he did it to Candy and then went and did it to this other grown woman, mm-hmm. um, they would obviously, I think, would notice in the area if there was something going on. Mm-hmm. And he was, he never traveled further out, so. To, okay, so there wasn't, what they're like reporting
0: a, a string of killings or anything like no. that? Just.
1: Unfortunately, it was just Candy and this other woman. And Mm -hmm. he got caught for that woman. So, but thankfully, with the diligence of everyone in that community, and especially the police officers' hard work for generations, they were able to find out who killed her and finally got some fucking justice for her. Mm. Even if he is dead. Because now we can be like, fuck John Hoff. So, period. Period. But that's my case. My door-to-door salesman case, so... I I understood but also misunderstood the assignment. Um, but so this was a really good one because I love the detective work in it. I kind
0: of, I misunderstood the assignment and the fact that I think my case just came up because I searched door to door salesman. Yeah. And literally the only thing that links mine to door to door sales crime, a salesman as a criminal, is the fact that the killer's stepfather was a door to door salesman.
1: Okay, so I definitely succeeded more than you. So go me it's literally (laughs) my fucking topic i love it for you what are we doing next brand crimes right
0: brand i think that's what you picked
1: yeah hell yeah i'm so excited
0: (laughs) but so i'm just gonna start off i'm not even gonna give the name but we'll see what
1: gang shit out here yes um so on may 29th
0: 1971 Dorothy Hilleguice saw off her 13-year-old son, David, and his 16-year-old friend, Mally Winkle, as they were headed to a local swimming pool in the Houston Heights. By the way, before I get any further than that, this is a blanket trigger warning for sexual abuse, mutilation against children. Ugh. It's not good. So if you're not...
1: I would not like to be here. Can I leave? leave.
0: (laughs) No. You're legally obligated to be here. I'm not (laughs) legally... We didn't sign a contract. We're just
1: homies.
0: (laughs) But if... So if you're not okay with hearing any of that, exit now. Um,
1: I love you and I hope you have a great day if you do leave. Kisses.
0: Yeah. Uh, They were last seen getting into a van near the Hilligeist home. However, when they did not return that evening, their parents contacted the police at the time... Also, like I said, I have major beef with, not these parents specifically, but the parents in the area at the time, because this is in the 1970s, but, like, fuck everybody, fuck the police, fuck the parents, and fuck the killer. Period. Continue. But they were last seen getting into a van near the Hillegeist home. However, when they did not return that evening, their parents contacted the police. At the time, police would contact friends and neighbors when teenage boys were missing, treating them as if they were runaways. So this is, like mistake number one and, and that's I still also that even shit. nowadays and too still, so yeah and just if a parent tells you their kid would not run off even if you're like no that kid ran off investigate the shit because who's a, who... no one's
1: gonna be mad at you for doing more
0: than doing than what's necessary yeah but dorothy reassured them that her son would not be the type to run away and the leading days quickly turned into months of him missing but oh she did God. not give up she hung up flyers and everything like that and friends of the family Also assisted in hanging up flyers offering $1,000 in reward, including a friend of the boys, which was 15 year old Wayne Henley. Mm -hmm. The boys were still missing a year later when 17 year old Billy Bunch and his friend Johnny DeLone also went missing.
1: Oh my God. uh...
0: Billy's brother, Michael, had a history of running away.
1: Ugh, that didn't fucking help. No, it did not. Not that it's his fault, but oh my fucking God. Now (laughs) they're like, see? We told you.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, this is a different set of kids.
1: I know, but it's still, they're just gonna be like, we told you, see? Don't worry about your kid. So,
0: naturally, police assumed that Billy was also doing the same. Billy's parents had leads of their own, and and Billy often hung out at the home of an electrician with the houston light and power company his name was dean coral oh my god also known as the candy man do you know this one yes i was gonna say i'm 90 percent. i knew you'd know it once i got a little further in he earned his nick this nickname because his family owned a candy company located in the heights he often gave candy away to kids in the neighborhood red flag number one i mean if you have a candy company and you're just being sweet and giving children free candy okay however everyone in the area viewed him as a nice guy he was friends with the kids in the neighborhood and would sometimes pick them up and give them rides in his van. What the fuck? I know. I understand it's the '70s. However, you should employ your children to know that you should not. This is ever... when
1: Stranger Danger just started, though. Too remember that. Like I know it's a different.
0: I know, but oh my god, the fact that you are so oblivious. But that it's you're... also
1: like a poor area with a rich guy. Is it a poor area? It's not the best area. I don't it's believe just... it was the best area.
0: I was talking to my boyfriend earlier about it, and I was like, it would be different. If he, like, had a wife and kids, too. But he was a single man. Yeah,
1: him and, like, John Wayne Gacy give me, like, the same vibes, like...
0: Don't like it. But, yeah, yeah. it's the fact that he's a single fucking man. And clearly a loner. And his only friends are... Children. Teenagers and children. The only
1: people that are interested in him, that should be a warning sign.
0: Yeah. Either way. So, that upsets me. Yeah, Because your children should not feel comfortable getting into a van with a stranger without you at least knowing. (sighs) Anyways, um... Billy had worked for the candy company but when his family went to Dean for help he let them know that he had not seen him in a while and reassured them that he would give them a call if he heard anything oh my god in 1972 while still searching for their son Billy their 15 year old son Michael also disappeared on Wednesday August 8th in 1973 on their way this I'm sorry I'm bouncing around a lot too because there's just a lot to cover and I covered as much as I could but on their way to Pasadena, Texas, 17-year-old Wayne Henley, 15-year-old Rhonda Williams, who had been seeing each other since her boyfriend, 15-year-old Frank Aguirre, had also disappeared under strange circumstances. At this point, over a dozen teenage boys had gone missing, with at least three occurring within the last two weeks. So this is, like, where my frustration with the police comes in as well, because it's clearly a pattern, and why are we now a dozen boys in and we're still treating it like like, they're runaways and we should have taken this much more seriously from the beginning making
1: like a boys club in the woods i'll be back home eventually
0: yeah i don't like does not make any sense but anyways like i said at this point over a dozen boys had gone missing and at least three of them occurred within the last two weeks and now back to the group of teens the three teenagers which also included tim Curley, one of Wayne Henley's friends were on the way to Pasadena to presumably party. Tim Curley was 19 years old at the time. And around 3 a.m., the three of them entered a home at 2020 Lamar Drive in Pasadena. At 8.30 a.m., the police department received a phone call reporting a shooting. Detective David Mulliken arrived on the scene to find a police officer holding an empty 22 caliber pistol along with Wayne, Rhonda, and Tim. Henley stated he had just killed a man that was in the house. When they entered, they found the naked body of Dean Coral laying face down with his feet tied with telephone cord and six bullet holes in his back and shoulder. Mm-hmm. In the bedroom, however, the detective found a bodyboard with handcuffs attached to it along with various sexual objects. There was also eight more pairs of handcuffs found, tape and petroleum jelly in the van in the garage they found a wooden box which was similar in appearance to a small casket along with white lime on the garage floor i forgot to look up what the fuck the point in the white lime was in this case i think
1: it's like for decomposition like lime like to like dissolving lime
0: okay yeah now upon questioning henley informed them that he has known coral who used to live there in the heights for a while and so so what happened The three teens were up all night huffing paint, smoking weed, and ended up passing out. And when they woke up, they were handcuffed. Rhonda and Tim had their mouths taped. Henley knew Coral was about to kill him, so he talked to Coral and convinced him to uncuff him. And he would help him with the other two. Dean told him to sexually assault Rhonda while he did the same to Tim. And Henley knew he would kill the two if he didn't do something, so he grabbed the gun and fired six rounds. Now... This looks like a cut and dry self defense case. However, Dean, who appeared to have had a relatively normal childhood, like as I was looking this up, there was none of that staple shit that causes yeah. serial killers. Like he didn't have the, the fucking himself, McDonald or, Triad. Or just <laughs> yes, pretty yeah. much. So there were no signs or reports of abuse. His parents were divorced, and he. Did have a strict father, his mother remarried and divorced again. Dean spent a lot of time helping his mother with her candy business, and he appeared to be a loner, traveled a lot and moved every couple of months. He spent most of his time with young boys employed at the candy shop. Two of these boys being Wayne Henley and eighteen year old David Brooks. David came from what was called a broken home. It didn't so I naturally I watched an episode. That I can find one, I'm gonna do it. And it didn't give much information on what his broken home looked like. That would, but probably just
1: his parents being split. Man, yeah, maybe. And probably not like a good split either. Yeah,
0: or maybe his dad was mean to him, or yeah. something. I'm not sure. But um, he was also a loner and spent a lot of his time on the streets. Initially, in interrogation, Henley hadn't mentioned anything about bodies, but later re- recanted. The one reason he i think i might be using the word recanted wrong so i'm gonna read this and then we're gonna tell me if i re- mm. did it wrong but later recanted that one reason he killed coral was because of a warehouse full of bodies and gave them names to back it up recanted to mean take it back right yeah okay ignore that he later recounted something you know english and shit but jones cobble and hillageist for the names that he gave to back that up Jones and Cobble had been missing for around two weeks at this point. Henley led them to a boat storage unit to which he pointed out stall number 11. It was locked and they went to the manager. She informed them that it was being rented out by Dean Coral when they opened it. There was disturbed ground with two sections of carpet, shoes, a bike, bags of lime, shovels, jackets, and they began to dig. And they reached a layer of lime powder six inches in. They reached a body covered in the same plastic found at coral's home they were extra careful about digging further as to not add cuts or anything from the shovels to the bodies and the body of the boy was found nude and with a cord tied tightly around his neck Mm. coral had been renting the shed for about two years who visited the stall two to three times a week and had recently asked about renting another they discovered a second body which was further along in decomposition and then at The point of the evening, around midnight, eight bodies total had been discovered. Mm -hmm. He had, like, three bodies buried on top of each other. Like, you dig a couple more inches down, find another body. And then investigators just continued to look for evidence. And then we go back to questioning. Coral befriended Henley when he was about 14 and appeared to have quite the influence on his life. Henley would find young males for Coral to have sex with by luring them to his house and telling them he had drugs, marijuana, Or that they were going to party. Mm -hmm. Henley said he had not assisted in any of the rape, murder, or torture of any of these boys. However, he was sometimes present. David Brooks now comes in. And he was accompanied by his father when they went to the police station. Informed police that he assisted in the procuring of young boys as well. But also stated he had nothing to do with the killings and told them that it was not the case for Henley. Mm -hmm. During this time, the body count has now climbed to 17 total with them still searching. Mm. And they hadn't identified some of them. David had known Coral since he was 14 and even lived with him at several of his residents. This is why I assume he just had a bad relationship with his parents because why are you living with this man at Mm. fucking 14, 15 years old? Mm. There was no apparent sexual relationship between the two. Brooks had actually introduced Henley to Coral and then I guess one of the ways that they got the boys or caught them off guard was they'd play a handcuff game where one of them would put the handcuffs on and have this would be Henley or Brooks and they'd have the key in their pocket but then like get out of the handcuffs Mm -hmm. and then they'd ask the boys to do the same but they wouldn't have a key and then Mm -hmm.
1: I think John Wayne Gacy did kind of the same thing too
0: um did John Wayne Gacy have like accomplices that helped him Or was he by himself?
1: No, he seems to be by himself.
0: Okay. And then, at that point, they would put the Mm -hmm. boys on the bodyboard, which had plastic on it, do Mm -hmm. their thing, and then just wrap them in the plastic and Mm -hmm. move forward. Uh, Brooks admitted to being present for some of it and proceeded to give the names of the boys. Brooks apparently saved Billy Ridinger, convincing Coral to let him go. Victim names that Brooks gave included Billy Bunch and Johnny DeLome. Henley stood firm and he didn't commit and torture anything. Didn't, I think I meant to say he didn't commit rape or torture, but he did admit to assisting in murder Into which he did. That's just as bad. Yeah, it is. Put a gun in one of the boys' mouths and pull the trigger. Wow,
1: you're so cool. Mm-hmm. Henley
0: led them to a lake area to which there were four more bodies. August 10th, 1973, they led them to a third site where bodies were buried. The body count was now roughly 27. In 1974, Brooks pled guilty to one count of murder, which included one 99-year term. And Wayne Henley received six 99-year concurrent terms. Mm-hmm. And I did not look further into where they're at today, whether they have passed or are still in prison yeah. And
1: what was Dean's sentence again? He's dead. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was done. Sorry. I was just trauma blocking everything that you were saying. <laughs> no, I, that's point. you're good. Sorry.
0: Uh, you know, because he got shot six times. Yeah, so he was dead Sorry. Once the I was arrived. just
1: silently trauma blocking.
0: You're like, mm, Control, delete that sentence. But yeah.
1: Everything that went downhill after, um, you know, he was found dead, I was like, and zone out. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: awful and yeah, this, this one
1: really bothers me yeah
0: it bothers me too especially i just the police did not i don't think they took it seriously enough in the beginning and lots of parents said that same shit when the trial was going on and yeah. i the boys deserve the sentences that they have but i also wonder do they to an extent because it's like should because they were so young and under the influence of an adult man like this and kind of once you get wrapped up in some shit like that, and you're worried, you might be worried about what he's gonna do to you. Do you? Yeah, but at deserve- the same time,
1: if that one dude was also partaking in it, I feel like he low key got joy out of it.
0: Yeah, so I'm a big
1: proponent you- in you fucking eye for an eye, and mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah, one, of the, such one, a one of the one of the investigators
0: that. did say that they think like Henley, kind of got like hooked into it, like in a a he was addicted to it kind of way because yeah. then he had power. And everything like and that. And then
1: also, I'm sure Dean was giving him, like, good attention. Yes, Like, probably. oh, you're giving me all these good boys. Like, I'll give you this, this, and this. Mm. Now, Brooks. Because like, didn't he get him, like, a nice car, too, or something?
0: I don't remember. They did get $200 per boy that yeah. they brought. Yeah,
1: I mean, like, he had, like, a nice, I think he had, like, a nice car and shit. And would drive around town. And people were like, oh, how are you doing this? And he's like, oh, I have a job with Dean. And mm-hmm. you can come with us and whatever. Like, he got off on it. Like, he enjoyed doing that Now, Brooks,
0: like, I wonder if it was just, like i don't have a place to live yeah i don't know and with them but i don't the other know if you ever have no pity abused either of them like physically it's yeah it's hard and i again i i believe that they deserve the sentences that they yeah. did achieve i do think that now when it comes to let's say this person's killing and torturing people and they're forcing you to get them victims that's completely by, different yeah like so yeah i don't know it's because there was never any talk of threats to the boys or anything like that. Yeah. So I just have to assume that they, especially Henley, were willing participants and got what they deserved. Yes. And Dean also got what he deserved.
1: Yes, for sure. Love that he's dead. I wish uh, I could have done it myself. Yes, uh. I'm sure
0: some of the parents now are no longer with us. Yeah. Because it was quite a while ago. However, I do hope that anybody that was affected. Oh, for sure. By that this has found peace good and, and
1: happy and.
0: Doing their thing They have um, a love
1: love Love sign in their kitchen Yes I want just, that for them Yeah,
0: Especially the ones That like Lost Because there was Two pairs of siblings Yeah like,
1: They lost like All their kids <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's,
0: I'm also like At that point Why did you let Your second kid Out of your sight Even For two minutes I don't know man I feel like on? some
1: people React to, like Especially with kids Like grieving different Where they like Isolate themselves And some overprotect Their children mm-hmm. And there's no judgment To that because Everybody grieves different And thinks different When they're grieving yes. You know
0: I just feel like yeah, especially in this I definitely think I would be
1: like super helicopter mom If this was yeah, to happen but like but Once
0: we got like four boys missing Can we maybe um, make our children just stay inside yeah. And pick and them no up No one's school. going
1: outside after five <laughs>
0: Literally like
1: We'll uh, drive to get you for a sleepover But again
0: it. I guess it doesn't matter Because then even if you have them inside Their friends are just going to lure them to the serial killer's yeah, house
1: so. I know um, I will say though another good podcast That even if you want to listen to for it mm-hmm. um, Necronomapod actually covered Dean coral
0: okay i'll check it out but
1: they have some really good background facts i think that's where i'm getting most of these random thoughts that i have like that are just back here like him having the car and stuff but they did like i think it was a two-part coverage if you guys are more interested in the case and just want mm-hmm. to hear some more shit even if you don't think we're cool enough but whatever
0: <laughs> and yeah no because there was the first case that i texted jordan about was also a serial killer along the lines of i'm gonna rape and torture boys and he also had a teenage accomplice, but yeah. his his accomplice was his son
1: yeah that's oh that's fucking horrible
0: yeah they're disgusting yeah but
1: gotta love it yeah now that
0: we ended on a super happy positive note um
1: we are happy and positive
0: <laughs> we do have a patreon so if you'd like to support the show we have three tiers First one's a dollar, and you get access to bonus content. Me and Jordan both have a spinoff. I will have two episodes of Jordan's posted this month because I'm behind on life, and one of mine. And then starting next month, it'll just be one of each. And we're gonna once Jordan gets back from vacation, we'll officially sit down, come up with a plan for five dollars a month. So for anyone who happens to sign up for that, thank you for your contribution to society because we just. That's all we got at the moment, and for $15 a month, you get access to bonus content as well as you can pick a case, a cocktail, both cases, or just an episode topic, whatever your little heart desires. And that's on murder.
1: Period.